I have just had a conversation with Gary Breeds, a friend of mine also from the Creatives Workshop, um, the Akimbo Workshop that I took in the spring of 2020. Gary and I have been Zooming since July, August of 2020 on a fairly regular basis, but for some reason we haven't been able to get together for quite some time. But today we did. And I have just gotten out of having COVID. So that was one of the topics. I had a I had an easy time in general, I would say. And I had an incident or an instance where I was afraid. It's like death came mentally close, you can say. And that took us off on a, on a deep dive. So listen to this. See what happens in you. See if you can feel that which me and Gary have discovered that we're quite good at, at picking up on what the other is feeling. So when there's something in his heart... I can feel it in my heart and the other way around. And maybe you will be able to too. So enjoy. in like what I think almost two months I'm not sure if that's enough or maybe we had one and before that we also had quite a long gap yeah my life continues to just unfold and flow and all of that I have not meant, of course, to be absent, but... Um, Neither have I, but you know, there's stuff and there's corona and there's falls and there's, I don't know, yeah. everything, right? So you are feeling well again? I am feeling well again. That's I great. have... Um, I've been fever-free for the better part of one and a half weeks since last Sunday afternoon. Uh, and it's what Thursday today. So, and um, Thursday a week ago, my tiredness disappeared. Uh, so now I have a little bit, you know, like cough now and again, um, but nothing else. Um, I I could record, but I you have to grant permission. So only if that would be of benefit or backup no, for any reason. No, yeah. that's fine. It it works here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, glad to hear you are well and continuing that path. Yeah. It was it was interesting to to be sick with this. I mean, I have had worse flus because not I wouldn't say I've had as long because I was down for 
since like 11, 12 days, something like that. So I don't think I've had that long flus before, but I've had worse flus because I have had flus where I have not been able to read. Mm. This time I was able to read the entire time, which thank God, because otherwise yes. life is really miserable in, when you're, at least when you're Helena, um, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. But so I've, I've read, I've rested. I, you know, it's like, it's just passing time, basically. You know, it will pass. Um, so, but it's yeah. been lovely because I've had so many people sending little love notes, sending little questions, sending little I'm thinking of you and how are you? And, you know, mm-hmm. from from all, all areas of life, which, you know, it's like, oh, that makes me feel loved, which is a yes, great thing. And, and you are, yes. So has that period and the potentials for COVID and the ensuing openings of love deepened or changed your perspectives in any way? So I had, um, it's quite common that on day eight, you get uh, worse. So on day eight, come the afternoon, my breathing sort of stopped, you know, just really high up on my lungs. It's like I couldn't get air down further. And so I couldn't inhale, but even worse was I couldn't exhale slowly and controlled at all. You know, and I do Wim Hof breathing. I'm great at inhaling and exhaling and doing things slow. It's like it didn't work. My lungs were like, you know, a third of their normal size somehow. And mm-hmm. and my fever started to spike. Uh, so that Thursday, I'm lucky. My mom is a general practitioner. Uh, so I've had her on, you know, on text, checking in on me and what's the temperature and how are you feeling and stuff. So that's felt very safe. Yes, yes. And... So she was like, okay, you know, rest and take some, some uh, paracetamol. And, you know, and I texted Dominic, my friend Dominic, in the evening saying that my fever is spiking. Mm-hmm. And he just responded in the most perfect way because he said, okay, I'm here. I'll keep my phone on. If you need me, I'm here. Which was just what I needed because I went to sleep and I slept. No issues. I woke up with less of a fever. But that Thursday night, there were thoughts of death. You know, not because I was that bad, but because of what you've heard about COVID makes you go, oh, oh, this is when the shit hits the fan. Right. Mm -hmm. So I jotted down, you know, the password to my computer and my last pass password manager and and, you know, just kept those by the side of the bed in case the kids would need it because I was gone, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I had 
you know, like, so that was kind of my um, anxious and feared moment. It's like, I was afraid, I was anxious, I was worried and concerned. Um, but as I woke up Friday morning, my fever was down again. And then Friday afternoon, it started to spike again. But then it was like, okay, I know I can deal with this. It's not an issue, right? So Friday, I was worse in the afternoon. And Saturday, I basically, I didn't move out of bed, basically. Uh, mm. But then Sunday morning, it was like less fever. And in the afternoon, no fever. And mm. then my breathing started to come back so that I could like really. But I had one of those pulse oximeters that measures mm. the, the oxygen saturation in your blood and stuff so it was mm. fine uh, you know um but but it's it's like interesting that's kind of that's one of the instances where i can feel this relation with relationship with death that i can kind of feel that i was in a relationship with death the other one which was on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, was in 2007 or eight, maybe. I was in India and working. And my first child um, was born to a man who divorced, we divorced before she was born. So he never connected with her. And when I then remarried three years later, he claimed her as hers, you know? So when her biological father knocked on the door, basically saying, what do you think about, uh, you know, Andos adopting, um, you know, Alex, that was called Alma back then. It was like, yeah. So we'd been going through an adoption uh, process. And here's the thing. The biological father still met with her. Not often and stuff, but he met up with her, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's, it's, it's not done. Biological parents who meet their biological kids do not give them up for adoption. So it's not done, you know. So the social services were like, oh, no, you don't do this. But it was like, yes, because he wants it and we want it, mm -hmm. right? So I was in India when Andal, and I was in a taxi headed to the apartment that we had to pick up my stuff to go to the airport to fly home. And Anders calls me and says that there's a, a letter in the mail saying that the adoption has been approved by the courts. Beautiful. And I was flying. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have needed a plane to come home. I was that high. You know, I was so, it was just the most amazing feeling. And here's the thing with death. That's the first time I got on a plane after she was born in 99 where she has not been on the plane with me. But, you know, when I have been on the plane 
where I was not afraid of dying because in the period from her birth until Anders adopted her, if I had died, she might have gone to her biological father who didn't want her. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was, and, and I didn't really pick up on that until that night when I got on the plane, I was like, it doesn't matter, you know, because now I knew that she would be with somebody who loved her. I mean, of course, I didn't want to die, right? But right, right, but the right. feeling was such that I could die now and it wouldn't be absolute mayhem. So I have like those two um, opposite. So, so it's very curious, a number of things that you said. One, I love how you reached out to Dominic or he reached out to you and said and expressed what was said. And as you share that with me, my heart just expanded so much as to almost bring tears to my eyes. So what a friend, person, love to have in your life. Yeah. To meet you at such times. And I love how, at least in part, there's certainly your presence, but at least in part, and maybe big part at that moment, his love and presence helped you through those next three days of spiking, diminishing fever and coming out the other side. So I'm, I'm... for me, I'm so glad that you were so well held in that. Yeah. And death is a curious thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm smiling because I have a little bit of a payload here myself. <laughs> but before I go there... Um, <laughs> And I will go there. This is not a this is not a segue into something, uh, uh, an avoidance segue. Um, I also love how parents, the mother, when they understand something of deep love is taken care of, if you will, or at least covered, as with your daughter, your first child that there's a resolution of the fear of dying. Wow, what meaning, what, I can't even bring out the words. But it connects me with something very deep. Yeah, and you know, it's like, the feeling I had was when you're in a, when you're in a building, you know, an office building or something, and the ventilation suddenly stops, and you just, you can feel your entire body just go, oh. It was, that was the feeling, you know. I had been tense for the better part of eight years, Mm -hmm. right? Because what if the parent she has disappears, right? And and I didn't, 
it's like you're in when you're in an office building with a ventilation where it like burrs in the background, you know, it's like you don't hear it until it's not there. I didn't pick up on that tenseness anytime as much as I did when it was gone. Just that, oh. I just want to take a moment and be with that. And again, the field of love, the field of the heart, your heart, and perhaps a broader heart is all deeply present in that. And I wonder, too, how much that kind of feeling of love opens up the lungs again. (laughs) You know, the relationship of the heart and the lungs is just like, yeah, let's breathe again. Let's open this. Let's celebrate with that breath. It's beautiful. And what was so interesting was that, so she was eight, I think it was 2008. Mm -hmm. She was turning nine. And she had called her biological father, dad. And she'd called my husband, who was her acting dad. You know, and Mm -hmm. she knew that too, but she'd called him Andos. When the adoption came through and we told her about it, she didn't ask, she didn't say anything, but she started calling her biological father by name and started calling Andos dad. So there was, you know, again, something in her also that here's somebody who's claiming me and I'm now free to be claimed. Um, and, and loved, and as we had intoned a number of perhaps months ago, that sense of love, compassion, and the fierceness of protection in that too, that combination. And I felt that again in Dominic's reach out. Yeah. And of course, that countenance, if you will, within you as well. Because you are both of those as well. That compassion, that gentleness, and that fierceness. And when that plays out together in that dance, How balanced, how beautiful, and how strong and resilient and discerning in such delicious ways it can be. Yeah. 
So what was it you thought about? So I have tears of a different kind when I begin to speak this. Um, but I have experienced as well as these kinds of things, a pretty dark night of the soul period in these last few weeks. And so much so that I felt my psyche, my emotionality, my spirituality all became foreclosed. Oh, yeah. I mean, one or the other, or maybe two, but not three. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was a curious compendium of things. Um, but I basically went back to God or source or love and said, I need to come home. Mm -hmm. I can't fulfill that vow of spirit, that vow of love, of which we have just spoken and shared with what's going on in my life. There we go. Now you're in my ear. Uh, yeah. yeah, there you are. Okay. Yeah. So to, in a certain sense, experience, I can't even describe it. Death in that way of knowing about life beyond death. And going back to God, if you will, or source or love, whatever the words are, and understanding that continuum it was a different experience of life and death, you know, that, again, continuum that we're speaking about. And in that process, life said to me, the gates of heaven, if you will, are not open for you right now. So sorry. Oh, oh. <laughs> these are these are words of expression. So the you know it wasn't anything that came you know you know in specific words. It was like so sorry. <laughs> and this sense of you turn around, go back home, if you will. But this entire sense of love, entire sense of eternal love or spiritual love holding me. Mm. You know, the broader sense of what Dominic held for you even, but the same thing, holding me and showing me the place that I am riding in terms of the unfolding of the universe. Perhaps not feeling on top of that wave, but within it, participating within it, part and parcel of it not separate from it, completely in everything that I am, the world is, and the universe is loved by it. It was, I don't even know the words for it. 
um, but I'm sweating talking about it. Mm. But incredible to feel an experience of such love. And something that I feel has been kindled and that you share in how you live your life with all of the people in your life. And it's just fun, just understatement to deepen that, to experience that, to share that, to broaden that. And to go, gosh, what happens from here? Precisely, what might be? Yeah. And so there's another part of this, if I might share, which was the tough part. So that was easy. So part of this sense of the universe going, you know, holding me and providing the buoyancy to be back, come back, stay back, was this sense of why I got to this split, if you will, or this troubled place. Because I, I, I it, deepening my own sense of presence and love, came in contact with all the places within me, which I refused love or refused to say are lovable. Mm. Or could ever be loved. You know, in effect, where I've turned away from, oh, that can't be loved. Mm. You know? And I'm reminded of all of the expositional work, if you will, that you've done in terms of sharing parts, you know, that we all go through that say, oh, I can't, that can't be loved. I can't share that. You know, all of, all of that. And that's where the pain, the real pain came in. It was, wow. That's painful at an existential level to separate from this flow of what we're in of the universal love. Tough, but worthy of experiencing and coming out the other side, if you will. So it's been an amazing time. So when you say the dark night of the soul, tell me about that. Well, everything that I just mentioned was part of it, but I think the most two parts come up when you ask the question is going, feeling the need to go back to God in this foreclosure of psyche, emotionality, and spirit. That's dark, and it's not the darkness from which light comes, but the foreclosure that creates darkness, which is, I think, what we all fear, but it's created in ourselves. It's not a universal existential hell. It's created, but dark. And then feeling where I had turned away from love, feeling where I had turned away from God, if you will, again, whatever word is used, that was so painful 
but another part of that dark night, excruciatingly painful. And the, so I record all of my meditations because they're free flow and then I have a perspective in going back to listen to them. And the noises that I was making, the emotional expressions I was making, I wouldn't want to hear from any animal, oh. let alone from a human, let alone from me. But to experience it as a human, to be committed to feeling all of that, um, and using that as a way to come back out, you know, that the air conditioning system, ventilation system ceases, and then I could breathe again. It's like, I never want to separate again. I never want to say anything about me or anybody is unlovable. So a necessary part of my living, necessary part of what I'm doing with my life and coming about in such fortitude and fierceness and compassion as some of the things that we've shared over time, including, you know, what you shared with your experience with COVID and Dominic and, you know, the adoption and all of that as well. And I want to go for a swim. I want to follow suit by letting go of this suit that I'm wearing. (laughs) Just (laughs) go in some beautiful water. Warm would be nice. (laughs) Cold is nice too, I promise. Cold, I understand. (laughs) It'd be nice as well, but either way. But just to bathe in that earthly and divine freedom, physically. So that's a bit of my story. So when it comes to this triad, you say, what do you say first? Emotionality and spirit. Psyche, emotionality. Psyche, emotionality and spirit. Where are you now? Are, Are they back? Are you back with them, in them? Or I am more fully back in all of them consciously than I have ever been. At the same time of realizing this human condition, they're not fully resolved, they're not fully over, they're perhaps always knocking, I don't know. So there's still evolution of this, there's still unfolding of this going on. But I'm finding that the historical and cultural and social expectations of my life that I always work so hard to live up to. Mm. 
And here in the States, the consumeristic aspects of that, you know, buying into all of that. Buying into the buying into. Exactly. On on all sides of that uh, Mm -hmm. frenetic and the the cycle. It's like, those are not my life anymore. They they never really were, but it's like, my life has become this, this freedom of, gosh, I have this life, this livingness. This pure potential, given everything I am and could be, what do I want to do with it? It's like, I, I can't even say that adequately because it's like my life is mine in a different, in a whole new and deeper way. But it, but I'm not a solipsistic or domineering. It's, you know, I'm very much an intermutual, interdynamic, you know, interrelational person. So it includes all of that, but it's like, I'm here as spirit, as love, as life going, gosh, what do we do with this? What do we do with our bodies, with our intelligence, with our um, consciousness? How do we grow this? What do we... It's this whole new adventure. Whole new adventure. And even sharing things like this, I mean, which I do, but it's like, why not? Yeah. Why not? Can this, might this be what others are going through but can't talk about? Or how do I, you know, in my new work, be with others and support them like Dominic did with you, a different continuum, a different paradigm. Uh, but when others need it or want it or would find it helpful, what do we do with this beautiful and amazing and wonderful life? And give to others, support others, and help others, and sing like you do, and swim. And <laughs> All of that. It's been funny. I've been, for the past week or so, I've been, no, longer. So I haven't really listened to podcasts in the past two or three weeks. I've been sick and stuff, but, but it's like... Going out of it, I haven't done it either. And and I think I kind of, it wasn't so much before COVID either. So, and, you know, it's it's cycles. I have periods where I listen to loads and then I don't. So it's a don't period. Mm-hmm. And this past week, I've been playing music instead. and And so I just, yesterday I created a, um, uh, a new Spotify playlist called Happy. Um, and I've had a couple of songs on repeat, including Heaven Sent by the Steel Drivers, I think. Amanda was the one who um, showed it to me. It's like a country thing. I don't do country is what I usually say. I love this song. It is so amazing. I play it over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. And it makes me so happy. Um, so Monday I biked into town first time on a bike for you know one and a half week Uh, music singing Um, I've been taking walks music in my ears singing Uh, and today I biked into town and back is like you know it's a 20-25 minute bike ride each way I'm blasting out. I'm just singing my heart out because 
it's great music and I'm happy and why not? You know, I don't care that people think it sounds bad, it sounds stupid. Who is she? What's she doing? You know, it's like, I couldn't care less. And it is one of those instances of tossing the gear and just jumping in the water. That's the feeling of it, you know? This music makes me feel happy right now. I want to share that. You know, I don't want to I don't want to hold it in. I don't want to hold it back. It's like here it is. Um I love it. Yeah. And the sweet and joyful and innocent in the right way of transparent smile that you have when you talk about that. It's like, yes, 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 yes to the infinite power. (laughs) And, you know, it's like when you when you said you spoke about those parts of you that you have deemed unlovable and that you no longer deem anything unlovable. It's just, you know, it's like, oh, Because I would say that's a lot of the therapy that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm helped, again, by D, to to see those parts of me that I have deemed unlovable, that I have or I and or helped by surroundings and society and norms, you know, it's like, right, it's, right. it's that mix. It doesn't really, there's no point in pointing fingers. It's like, yeah, I, it's mm-hmm. been deemed unlovable, you know, and I've mm-hmm. accepted that criteria or judgment. Mm-hmm. I'm just finding these like weird creatures inside of me. And again, I'm I'm a Gemini. So there's more than one in me, for sure. There's a lot of characters, and I found a lot of them during this therapy period. Um, and again, Dee is helping me to love it to love all of those parts of me, to love, you know, the stern one and the and the bluebeard character in me and the really, really, I have the queen of sadness in me. You know, it's like I have all of these different characters. And, and I don't have to not love any of them. And, and then... It's transformed, you know, when I, when I love them, when I stop not loving them. It's like, you know, again, there's a shift in, in, in relation that makes something else possible with the energy of these different characters within me. Amen. Beautiful. And then do you experience yourself differently with others as that loving continues to open? Yeah. Do you mind sharing how that opens? 
So, I, you know, in my doing gentle journey, mm-hmm. I have like gone from the outside in. I was, at least, I perceived me as being able to do more gentle towards other than to me. Uh, even though there probably was, because I was so not gentle to me, I probably was not gentle to others too, but there was a difference. I, I tried to do gentle at least to others. And it was like, that's not on the cards for me. You know, it doesn't, it's not for me. So that journey of coming to a place where I like see that it actually is in the cards for me, I can do gentle, not only can I, but I fucking deserve it. You know, it's, it's, I am worthy of it. Like that journey has also led me to being much more gentle to others. And I'm human, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. the human experience is valid for each and every one of us. And it means that even though I know how to do gentle, I sure don't do it all the time. Not, not towards me, not towards others, right? But getting to know these characters of me that have been so hidden, that have been so like in the dark, I haven't been able to see them. I've felt it but I haven't been able to see and and not being able to see, I've not really been able to listen. You know, it's like, so it's been, Mm. it's been, you know, breaking communication between these various parts of me in ways that serve. So it's like, it's been harsh and, and grim and, you know, mean and, and stuff. So, Seeing these, a couple of sessions ago, we met the general within. She was a character. Shit, what a character. It's like, man, this is so cool, right? And and the, the initial, like when I see these various people, because a lot of the really strong ones are the ones that I have deemed unlovable, right? They are the ones that I have had a problem with I wanted to you know shut them down keep them away they're not good finding them and seeing them and kind of you know exploring them and talking to them and being in communication with like different characters within me I've it's it's as if Seeing that in me and, and, and opening towards loving all of these different parts of me, yes, that is absolutely something I experience when I look at others around me too. It's like, you know, it's like gently shaving off more and more of that judge within me. You know, and and the judge within me was, that was probably one of the least hidden parts of me for many, many years. It it was was like, that was me. You know, I judged. Probably most, 
yeah, most automatic maybe too. Absolutely. It was like, so, and, and that is when my first child was born and, and um, my then husband called me up and said, I'm breaking up with you when I was like nine months pregnant. And I asked, do I like who I am? And I answered, no, fuck no, I'm so fed up, right? That was, I think, when I started to work with that judge to to see it to see it as something that is me but it's not the only part of me it it's it's grown huge it needs to shrink because it needs to be kind of you know on a parity with all of the other parts of me um and it's like it's I'm still I've come a long way with that and and this work now that I've done with me internally means I look at others with more love. Even when there's like dumb stuff being said, or you know, it's like it's like there's there's some type of more soft um that makes me go, you know, it's like okay. It's a human, you know, it's a human. Lovely. And it's for fun, and then I want to pick up something else in that. It would be fun to play these different roles together at some time. The general, maybe meeting my tyrant or... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have the Fisher Queen too. Oh, and, you know, it's like there's all of it yeah. and the little queen of sadness and yeah, yeah. you know, uh, just all, all, all of that. Yeah, will you, will you, the part of me goes, will you please take care of me? <laughs> you know, or whatever it happens to be. Here's <laughs> like, no, I don't want to be taken care of ever. <laughs> you know, all of those different things. Um, but just to, to tee that up maybe for another time. Um, but the, the judgment, you mentioned the judge. What turned my head for me with it with my judge which who was completely automatic and trained to be such was when I started really becoming more embodied and realized even the slightest thought of hatred or judgment or belittling or diminishment or whatever it happens to be it's like that's painful in my body And when I started hearing myself do automatic things, you know, I drop my keys in a puddle of water on the road or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And the automatic, you stupid shit, whatever it might happen to be. It's like, I know. Why would I want to hurt myself? It's not the overt kind that somebody could go, you need social services. But it's pretty insistent or had been pretty insistent but anyway the the point being is like yeah becoming embodied when you recognize that hurts to do that i i don't want to do that anymore yeah don't want to do that anymore and it it's like that's one of the things that we don't speak enough about we don't speak enough about 
those things with curiosity, with, um, you know, open mind, open heart, with, like, like this, sharing this. And I mean, I've been there, done that. I call them, you know, Hitler, Mao, and Stalin is what I had inside. Um, like, speaking about that just is, you know, it is, I, I don't see it done enough, I should say. Um, and again, I was, what was I, 36? or something, when I first understood that I didn't have to believe my inner Hitler, Mao, and Stalin. You mean I don't have to believe what they're saying about me? No, you don't. It's like, and I was 36! <laughs> you know? We should, if we, we should speak about this. More of us should speak about this so that others can hear that you also have one of those tyrant within? It's like, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? And, and I find, so we were talking earlier about how things internally change us in our relationships. I find, you know, and back to that compassionate fierceness, when people start dissing themselves in front of me, I'll call it. It's like, no, not on my watch. I, no, why would you want to do that? Because I also feel pain too, and maybe that's my experiential sensitivity. But <clears throat> no, please no. How do we love? How do, how do you love? How do I let you know that I love you, even though you're you know experiencing that? You know that whole unfolding as you're talking about that can happen. Let's not do that. Let's yeah. not do that. I'm quite sensitive to that too. I I a lot of my conversation with code. Coach clients, I point to yeah. belittling behavior, belittling automatic. They don't think about, oh, I'm so dumb. And, you know, five times in a one-hour coach walk? No. <laughs> Sorry, mm -hmm. that's not okay. You know, find another word for whatever it is that you're trying to say there, but dumb isn't it, you know? It's like, oh, I'm not used to this, or I could get better at this. You know, it's like whatever it is. But but right, right. don't say, oh, I'm so dumb. It's like, no. <laughs> like, right. don't treat yourself like that. Yeah. I missed that one. I had hoped for something different, whatever. I can still love myself. Yeah. And may I say, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. You go ahead first. I I, I, make, I want to hit a hyperlink, a, a Gary hyperlink. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Okay. So in terms of all the inner voices, and it's interesting, my heart just really opens up when I go to say this. Um, and I don't know that I could, I'm catching myself. I was going to say, I don't know that I could say it well. <laughs> good, good, good. In rephrasing that, it's like, it's hard to speak about some of these existential or experiential things. It's hard to put them into words. 
Um, but out of this period that I've been through, what I'm coming into deeper understanding is that who we are consciously, who the person that we are, each are, the energy of who we are, the who-ness, I call it, the presence, the being, the beingness. And this is, this is still blowing my mind. It's like it's co-created. I think we've talked about parts of this before, but at the broadest level, you know, without this universal consciousness, if you will, relating to me as an individual or a localized version of consciousness, you know, it's, it's creating me. I don't exist solipsistically. I can't from an existential standpoint. So this sense of, so that has implications, but let me make the other point. So that within this universal unity consciousness, of course, is all of us humans. And the diversity and the complexity and the potential and the history and the traumas and the joys and the loves and the perceptions and misperceptions, all of that that goes into this human field is within each of us as well. So that even these voices within, they're not completely created, as you said, too, in, in different words, they're not completely created from just within us. They're created from these interdimensional, interrelational relationships and as well from the whole. So this sense of, if I have a voice like that, it's probably in this field, it's probably in somebody else too. And that sense of us having such potential to be so diverse and to have so many voices and to have so many experiences as well as relational experiences, as well as the same for everybody within this. It's like, it's not just some silly or malfunction that happened in here or in here or, you know, within me. It's, it's a hidden, it's a dynamic potentially within, you know, the whole of the human field. And yet, of course, we are each unique as well. But nonetheless, that point that you said, if we're experiencing it, chances are somebody else, even if they're not conscious of it, may be experiencing that too. And to love that within ourselves, to accept that and to be able to recognize it's like, look at that. There's that general or that poor or that loving or that gentle person or whatever it happens to be right here in my own home or right here in my circle of friends. It's, it's a whole different way of, for me, of consciousness being co-created. And so that if I'm not healthy for me, I'm not being healthy for you. And if you're not being healthy for you, you're not being healthy for me. It's part of this overall existential field. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want to love you? Why wouldn't I want to be gentle with you? Yeah. I mean, that's what's in my heart anyway, specifically for you as well. And um, But why wouldn't I want to love the diversity, the differences in humans? Experimenting, all of us having this lifetime to go, what do we do with this consciousness? What do we do with this body? What do we do with this potential and 
technology and everything else that may come up. So, so there's more to say on that, I think, as we talk more, but this unfolding nuance and um, co-creative sense where I'm never and could never be solipsistic, no matter what my experience might be, is really deepening with me. And I think I'd love to continue that conversation over time. Yeah, it's 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 like again fascinating how I think individualism kind of helps to make us think that we are all alone in the world nobody else is as alone, miserable, unhappy, depressed, whatever, ashamed, you know, I'm the only one. And the fear of, of opening up, the fear of being judged, because that's what's kept me from opening up in the past and Thank still you. for that reason, you know, the fear of being judged, the fear of being ridiculed, the fear of being laughed at or at worst shunned and those are probably from people or circumstance potentially where they are doing that to themselves but not in the recognition of it and push it on to others yeah yeah again relating back to those parts of us that we have not loved that's that's what we're doing. We're shunning or ridiculing or not wanting to hang with, you know. Yeah. And to your point on that, too, to emphasize another point you made, that that cuts down on the body's energy. It cuts down on the communication of our very neurology that just wants to explode and, and contribute and communicate in an integrated way with the entirety of the brain, body, the heart, body, the enteric brain or the heart brain, I meant to say, and the enteric brain, all of the different parts of the body, it, it pulls us back from that. And I wonder how much of the aging process happens in that. And again, perhaps another <laughs> topic, um, but it, 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 it diminishes the body's ability to function as it was so generously designed, if you will. I saw um, a picture. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna turn on the lights. So maybe my, mm -hmm. maybe there will be a little better. So I saw a picture of a, a Shanti Simelman, uh, uh, somebody I follow on on Facebook. She's she's quite special. She shared a picture of her doing handstands a couple of years ago and then reshared the picture now. It was just these perfect handstands. Just, oh, it looked, you know, wow. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize that that sense of aliveness, that sense of, of just 
tossing everything and jumping in the ocean feeling of life of of singing my heart out when I'm biking into town and, and stuff. I I'm I have gotten really good at at doing that up here. Like with my brain thinking thoughts, being open to ideas and and input and stuff. I'm I'm quite open and willing to do it singing, biking into town and 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 doing cold bathing and and you know, I walk barefoot um and love it. Um you know, and and but I was thinking about that when I saw Shanti in this perfect handstand. It's like there is more my body can do. There is so much more my body can do. So I was like, you know, it's like it's and this is this is something I know this thought, I know this longing. It's been with me for many years. And and you know, it's like walking barefoot is one step on this journey of of embodying me, of of sensing with different parts of me. Doing dance walking is one part of this, right? But it's like I'm coming to this point where shit, I want to explore the, you know, what's this body capable of if I really let it play, let it explore, let it discover what more is here. Um, speaking to that aging aspect where I think a closing is the norm, is like that's kind of what happens, not because it has to happen, but because it happens. That's kind of, that's the way, that's the way we live, right? And I, you know, to me, there's so much hidden within the DNA. Yeah. That's undiscovered or undefined. And I'm not necessarily a proponent of eternal physical life, but in terms of well-being or extended well-being or extended healthfulness, I wonder, as we allow these parts of ourselves to be loved and to communicate and to intercommunicate with the rest of who we are and to others and to the environment, what that does do to the evolution, to the healthful for the well-being evolution of the human body. Curious question. That's one of the things I did for most of the days when I was down with COVID, except that Saturday. I didn't step outside that Saturday. Um, 
As it so happens, the week when I was down with COVID was a wonderful week here. It was sunny, it was warm, it was just, you know, it was the week where you really see how it just explodes, everything that grows, everything that blossoms and stuff. So that was the week. So the first week I could, you know, I took my, my, um, like, cushions with me out and I sat in the garden and I was walking around barefoot in the garden you know in the grass and in the soil and and just I was taking slow walks in the garden (laughs) you know I didn't leave out but I was taking slow walks in the garden and just you know being with that taking a picture of a tulip that was blooming or you know, just being with. And then that Saturday when I was, you know, and, and I think on the Friday too, it's like I went outside and it was like, I don't, I, I can't. I, you know, it's like, no, I'm not there. So I went in again and lay down and was all tired. But just that, you know, the, the nourishment that I get from having my bare feet in the wet grass, in the soil, on the rocks, just, oh, it's like, yes, it is nourishing. It's like, there's no question about that in me. It's like my entire system just goes, oh, you know? And as you share that, I feel nourished. I feel loved. I feel the corresponding sensuousness in my body and the deliciousness of it and the nurturing of it as you speak. And the shifting of your voice and expressions and sensuousness as you even said that so beautiful and so nourishing when shared in such a safe you know compassionate way it's like yeah and that relationship you know i broaden it to the relationship with the biosphere to the earth mm-hmm. you know and we could extend that into how, you know, taking care of the environment. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we, when we are so nourished and, you know, gain all of our nourishment, food, air, sunlight, water, all of that from the biosphere, but the deliciousness of it. I've... I've... I cut them off now, but I last year I planted kale and it stays green and continues to grow throughout the winter. And then now, second year, they go into bloom. So um, I've been breaking off the, the sort of the bloom stems the, and the top leaves and stuff, just <laughs> munching them because they taste green. They taste green, you know? It's like the richness of that. 
I'm just, so I've been, you know, slow walk, I take a few and I munch, and then I slow walk and I take a few and I munch. Um, again, just, just kind of knowing that this helps me. This is good for me. I want this. I need this. I'm worthy of this. Um, you know, it's here for me to use because right now my body needs this green energy, just pure green energy, right? It's just amazing. Just, yeah, lovely. It reminds me the first time I ever made a smoothie with just lettuce and some oil and some water yeah. years ago. And because, I, you know, it seemed my body was inviting me, as you're talking about, to something green. It was a light green. And somehow I got this dark green, of course, with kale. So it's different, but nuancing. And, and I drank that whole thing. It might have been a quart or a liter, you know, something along that. And my body, not emotionally, so this was an emotion that wasn't a, you know, how good a boy am I or anything like that. My body was happy about it. My body felt nourished and loved and just super thrilled to get such nourishment, such fluid, such everything that's in that. The body itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all I know yeah. that. It's all there. Yeah. So have you always been in that type of relation with your body? Because I haven't. Not is like I've I've again, you know, um, a talking head with feet is like oh, and then I discover is like there's a body there too, right? So for me, this is not something that I can say I've 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 been with for all of my life. I mean, I've always had a body, but but you know how I is like. It's been a, a blank space. Has it been for you or have you always had this relationship with a body that says, yes, a green smoothie? <clears throat> I have not had that. And I went many decades in a certain sense, not even being conscious that I had feet. Oh, so you were just ahead. And I was not even ahead. And I'm not trying to be dramatic or exaggerating, but there was this sense of some type of mental processing, which wasn't in here. It was like here. Hmm. And I spent all of my time here. Hmm. And I had... You know, it's amazing to have relationship and sexual relationship and everything else being just here. So it's been a long process to be able to 
feel my neurology in even archetypal ways, you know, meaning that I've had experiences where with others, I've felt my neuro neurology experiencing archetypal presence and energies. So to go from this obscure nothingness almost, mm. but functional nothingness to, wow. And in this transmutation or this process to come to an understanding of the neurology of the body as the light body, the correspondence and the parallel and the divine order that's present within our bodies as the bodies, as the neurology, as the muscular and skeletal structures, all of that, spirit and body as participating together and comments like what I mentioned earlier from the DNA, not from a necessarily studied perspective, but from an experiential perspective. This is an amazing shift, but it's who we are as people. It's, you know, tuning into the human body, your human body, and really spending time with it. Whether you feel like you're an angry person or you've got this trouble or that trouble or whatever it happens to be, but whatever, Tuning into all of that will bring you in contact with that level of spirituality, dynamic life itself, the flow of life, the light body, if you will, even. And I call it, and I've had experiences, as we've talked about, of the angelic nature of the body, too. All you have to do is pay attention to what's going on in your body. So it's been quite a long time. <laughs> Not a complaint. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you for this. Thank you.